You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. Okay, welcome back to the Financial Insights Podcast. I'm excited about this podcast today because we are recapping something that's been a first here at Ford Financial Group in that we had our first client webinar. Um, I've mentioned a few different times and a few different ways, most recently in the video that we posted on Facebook, uh, but we usually do client seminars, uh, at least in the spring. Uh, we like to do two a year, spring and fall, uh, but at any rate, uh, we haven't been able to hold our client educational seminar or client educational event this year because of COVID-19. Uh, we can't get everybody together for um, you know, a, a light early dinner to talk about different things like social security or markets. So we decided just recently to do the next best thing, uh, which is to get everybody together over the internet and work with JP Morgan Asset Management on their Guide to Markets uh, presentation and deliver that to clients there. And so we had a really good turnout, uh, but we didn't, it, obviously you, sometimes you'll have some technical issues when you're doing something like this for the first time. So we had a couple people who had some difficulty getting through, uh, but there was a real appetite for this. And so what uh, I we decided to do here, both Ryan Louie, who's an advisor here at the office and a certified financial planner, uh, and I are working on or worked on putting together um, kind of a breakdown of the slides and the topics that we went over in the webinar. So without further ado, let's dig in. This is Ryan and I talking about uh, the recap of the WebEx that we did with JP Morgan Asset Management on their guide to markets. All right, we're recording this after Ford Financial Group's first client webinar. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm joined by Ryan Louie, a financial advisor in the office. Ryan. Hi, everyone. What did you think of the seminar? I thought it was good. Um, you know, it was our first effort into trying to do this. I think it was a, a necessary step in this day and age to still continue to try to, you know, get information out to our clients. Um, I think that's always been one of the key things that we've tried to do through our seminars, which we used to, you know, have in person and, you know, hopefully will in, in the near future as things um, start to start to improve. But in the meantime, I think this was the right step to um, get get the information out to people. Yeah, I was surprised we had a pretty good turnout. Uh, it was, a, you know, as you might expect for something technical on its first time, um, a little glitchy, just the sound quality kind of would cut in and out every once in a while. But I think that's because we had so many people logged on. So it was pretty cool. Uh, if you are listening to this and you weren't part of that uh, webcast, we were talking with uh, JP Morgan and David Leibowitz from the Guide to the Markets uh, team at JP Morgan going through their Guides to the Market Guide. And Clients who have been here for a little while may be familiar with this because we'll sometimes reference these slides. Um, Ryan, do you do you ever reference the guide to the market when you're talking with clients or doing your videos? Um, every now and then, um, I'll I'll reference it maybe in a slide if I have the visual with me. Um, usually, maybe more on the computer, I would say, than I do in actual actual meetings. But yeah, it's definitely definitely good information. A lot of information. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of information, and so. 
Um, if you weren't able to join the webcast, we'll do some more in the future, but I, yeah, we thought that it would be good if we took some time to recap some of these uh, topics that we covered, and that way you're up to speed if you weren't able to, to get into the webcast, and, uh, and if you want to see the slides that we went over in the webcast, you certainly can email us at info at FordFG.com, and we can get a, a either copy of the slides or copy the entire guard, guide to the market booklet out to you. So uh, with that add, in mind, yeah, let, let me, add, let's, oh, let me yeah. add one thing to that. Um, yeah, sure. You know, so, th so this particular um, webcast that we did uh, with JP Morgan was live and we weren't able to record it. Um, so the, the, this, this podcast may help summarize some of the, the thoughts and what was um, talked about in it. Um, it's, you know, we're hopeful that in the future, as we continue to do these, um, we obviously can do it live as we do it, but there will be future recordings uh, that you can listen and have the playback to if you weren't able to make it. Um, you know, we know that we, we did this at 1230 and there's, you know, people working um, that weren't able to tune in as, uh, as they were at work. So, um, things might change in the future to, to have better access as well. Right, right. We're absolutely going to want to make this available to as many people as possible. So uh, we are working on the technical side of things to make sure we have replays available to everybody. So um, we even though but we don't have it now, <laughs> of course. And so we're going to do the next best thing, which is to try and provide a, a recap on, on on this platform here. So so let's start. And um, we really begin. I, I think David began with an interest in an interesting place, um, looking at the services sector here. Um, and using the Global Purchasing Managers Index for Services to take a look at where things stand right now from a global economy perspective. Because as we've talked about recession and we've talked about the downturn that we've had, both with clients and in earlier podcasts, uh, that we've talked about how the services sector has really truly gotten hit here. And uh, the slide, you probably wouldn't need this, the slide to know this, but services sector has been pretty much demolished. And it hasn't just been here in the US, it's been across the board. Uh, the slide uses a heat map to show where I think green means good and yellow is okay and red's bad. And we, in, in April and May of 2020, were red across the board, which just crystallizes how bad uh, things have gotten here in the services sector. Well, I think visually, you it, sh it paints a, p a very easy picture to understand where we are. Um, it wasn't as if everything was perfect um, b before this. Um, but, you know, color wise, you know, you had you know, a lot of greens, maybe some s shades of yellow, and then all of a sudden it's red across the board. Um, right. And you can even see really in developed markets in 2018, things were like really green across the board. Uh, things turned to kind of lighter green. And even you get into like the UK in 2019, probably because of Brexit, things started to uh, wane a little bit, but it wasn't until uh, boy, it, it just cuts. It falls off the cliff right there in 2020. W one of the other things that he pointed out uh, was that, uh, well, he didn't point out, but he was starting to give some predictions here. And they were kind of interesting because GDP predictions are all over the map, depending on who you read. And, and really, we know that we had a 5% uh, negative GDP, 5%, so at, according to the latest estimates in Q1. But he was looking at a 40% annualized decline in GDP in the second quarter of this year, which is n amazing in a bad way, but amazing. Right. Um, and yeah, and yet completely understandable as, you know, really the first quarter was 
at the tail end, as we started to, um, you know, um, stay in place and, uh, it was, it was towards really the, just the end of the first quarter. So you had most of the first, first quarter, um, more normalized versus the second quarter. We were already, um, you know, at home, um, and stayed that way, f- you know, really up until even this, it, this point we're starting to get moving. So we're, you know, we're already two thirds of the way through the second quarter and we're just getting moving in the right direction now. So you can see why the numbers or the people would think that the second quarter numbers are going to be so bad. Yeah. Yeah. And he even went into the third quarter where JP Morgan's look, they're expecting about 10% growth in the third quarter. And that's understandable. It's almost like a rubber band that gets pulled back negative. It gets pulled down 40%. It's going to snap back up. So they were predicting uh, 10% growth in Q3 and then somewhere between three to 5% in Q4. So it's, you get the snap back and then then the real work comes in the fourth quarter of of this year and the first quarter of next year where growth is trying to not just rebound but actually stay in positive territory. Right. Um, so probably I would say maybe this like confirming a bit of what we already know, uh, which is that things got bad and are bad but are likely to rebound. Um, it's just we have to wait and see kind of what what the numbers are. Okay, so let's move on to the next uh, slide here. The next slide uh, that David took a look at was having to do with unemployment and wages, you know, really looking at uh, the unemployment numbers through April, and they're god-awful. You know, we covered this before. Unemployment is at nearly 15%. We're recording this on the afternoon of June 4th, and so tomorrow we are going to get a number that's probably going to blow mind, wouldn't you think, Ryan? Right, and you know, again, this you know, they they make these reports, um, and so by the time the reports or uh, these slides are, are out, they're really bit, a little bit outdated at that point. Um, we already know, you know, unemployment's what north of probably 20 percent at this at this point, yeah. um, and so you know, it, it's 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 one of these things where I think we'll look back in history and everyone kind of jokes as far as the people that look at, look at these numbers and the economy about um, how off the charts are going to look, because you're going to have this one year where it just spikes up to unprecedented levels that we've ever seen in history. And then, you know, likely it's going to come back down pretty substantially. And so people will look at this as like, what, what happened in 2020 that there was this large spike up and then, you know, uh, and it came down so quickly shortly after that. Yeah, and it's it. This is this is going to be one for the record books. Interestingly, though, also that uh, wage growth is up, right? Um, and, and really, what what he was talking about here, not just relation to the slide, but more broadly, you know, the risk here is the duration of the downturn. If if we all take a couple of months off, and the 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 players have been called off the field economically for a couple of months, that's something that we can rebound from. But the problem then is. If this goes on for a long time, the jobs may not be there for people to go back to. So that's part of the risk that's baked in here. Um, yeah, I think that I think with the numbers, we realize that um, you know certain companies had layoffs, and you know you know hopefully they will be hiring back when things get more normalized. So therefore, you're not really worried too much about the short term effect, as we again we we realize what's happening. Um, but the midterm to the long term effect is that as as the economy gets rolling again you're going to want these numbers to come down pretty substantially because that shows that people are getting back to work. And, you know, it's, it's that ripple effect of, 
you know, if people are working, they have money in their pockets. If they have money in their pockets, they're spending. If they're spending, the businesses are doing all right. But if you, again, you, you, if you have people unemployed, it stops there where, you know, the cycle doesn't even begin of, of, of the spending habits. Right. Absolutely. And so uh, as we move on to the next slide, we talk about uh, the federal finances here. Right, which is what what has been the government's response to what's gone on, and it's been really yeah, Brian, interesting. So go go over these numbers. I mean, we're talking large sums of numbers going to every place, um, but maybe just like summarize some of some of the the, the money that the the federal is, um, government is spending right now. Yeah, sure. So um, we've had a one one time recovery uh, rebate checks going out to twelve twelve hundred dollars per adult and five hundred dollars per child up to a certain income limits. A boost on employment benefits by adding $600 per week to every check until July 31st. Uh, grants to airlines and businesses that have been deemed important for national security. We had the small business relief, which is the PPP, which are mostly forgivable loans. We've had some direct aid to state and local governments, health-related spending, tax breaks. Uh, it, it amounts to about two point, almost $2.5 trillion, which is a, a nearly 12% of GDP. And so um, there's been tremendous spending to offset the recession. But what it's also resulted in is a federal budget deficit like nothing we've ever seen. In fact, it even dwarfs what went on in 2008. So where you know the, the JP Morgan forecast is that we're going to have uh, as a percentage of GDP, a federal, bu- uh, a federal uh, budget deficit, it's like 20% of GDP. Yeah, um, it, it's really mind blowing. So, so something worth mentioning to give perspective of what has been done. I think that they said that the amount of federal spending that was done in like the, the March April period, um, in, in regards to trying to you know put money into people's pockets and help help the situation out, um, it took four to four and a half years after the financial crisis to spend that much money for them to you know to put money. Uh, into the economy, so you know what was done in w- about a one month time frame took about four to four and a half years of what, you know how long it took the the last time we had a financial crisis. I think the good thing about this is that being proactive probably is going to help the situation, um, you know, and so we didn't dig ourselves into too deep of a hole where we're reacting because I think if we were reacting to all of this. Um, the the problems probably would be a lot larger than we, where we stand right now. Right. I, I think another noteworthy thing here is that he even mentioned that um, that because of this huge deficit, I think there's a reasonable expectation that we're going to have higher taxes within the next five years. And he's not even getting political about this. It's just we've racked up a bill that has to be paid. Right. Uh, and so higher taxes, whether it's personal taxes, corporate taxes, or both, is, it may came may may come into play here. The other thing is that all of the stimulus that we were mentioning, a lot of the focus is on consumers and small businesses, uh, which are, you know, the federal government's trying to basically provide some sort of uh, relief to bridge the gap until everybody can reopen and get back on their feet. Um, but he also mentioned the stimulus might, might not be enough. Uh, we might, right now, there's some discussion even about another stimulus package coming through Congress. We haven't seen anything concrete that that would have legs here, but this, the talk is still that more might be needed. So that's an interesting take. Um, let's move on to the next point that he was covering, which is the, the federal reserve and interest rates. Um, you know, the federal reserve has taken some pretty serious 
policy actions here. They've restarted the unlimited asset purchase programs. QE is what it's often called. Uh, they've reduced re- reserve requirements for the banking sector. Um, they, or I guess QE is their expanded uh, asset purchase program. So they're buying bonds and mortgage-backed securities and things. Um, lots of different stuff going on. And, and really the key here is not so much interest rates being near zero or even that they might go negative, but it's more that the Federal Reserve can purchase more securities than ever in in QE. Yeah, right? this has never this has never been done before for, for, for here, and so um, we're kind of in unprecedented territory. But with you know being able to buy these securities, we we saw when the markets were going haywire in March um, that once the Fed started to step in, and you know they started to expand the list over time too, as far as what they were going to buy. But you know when they started stepping in to be able to buy some of these securities, it did calm the markets. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it helps when you if you're a buyer of securities that you know you can sell it, even if the market seizes up, you have somebody to sell it to. It makes it okay to buy things again, which right. is the liquidity that gets added here. Um, the, the next topic that we covered was fixed income yields and how it correlates to the market. I think we can pretty much summarize this pretty quickly is that this, the, the chart that we viewed in the webinar really showed that there's a pretty high correlation between higher yielding bonds and this, and the S and P 500, right? And Whereas that's always been the case. I mean, yeah, right. That's pretty, pretty much always the case. Right. Yeah. And, and it's higher risk. And so you you have a higher reward, but that higher risk kind of correlates with markets. So, um, you know, an interesting slide, but but not a total shocker here. Uh, the next one we went to had to do with, with corporate profits. And this is a little bit concerning because, um, you know, the earnings per share um, or the, the earnings growth estimates are pretty ugly. Um, the We have a, a price to earnings ratio that's off the charts. It's almost like these fundamental indicators are so broken right now, they're almost not usable. Yeah, it was well again. It almost like the chart that I was talking about for the unemployment rate. When it goes so far off the the chart in terms of where we have been historically, I don't know how useful it becomes other than to to show that things are pretty drastically broken right now. Um, but again, you wouldn't. I don't know that you could rely on any one piece of information when it's so far um, off of the norms. Yeah, well, and you can see that that in the chart that they show that earnings accelerated pretty sharply in 2018 as a result of the benefits from the tax reform, but 2019 earnings slowed pretty meaningfully just because of slower global growth and a strong dollar and and some other headwinds. Um, and the 2020 earnings are set to are just they they're under pressure from the COVID 19 outbreak, but analysts are expecting a pretty speedy recovery in profits. So I guess looking at the the slides we reviewed in the WebEx, um, that it's showing that there's some optimism, I guess, from anal- from analysts that the rebound will be pretty stout. But right now, it's a pretty tough indicator to rely on as you're looking at investing. But the chart, um, the chart itself for the earnings is at least something of optimism. Um, again, these are these are estimates. Um, sure. There's no predict. There's no predicting the future. Um, but looking at this chart, it's it's nice to see that um, while we we stall out for a period, you know, going into the future, it looks like we're making some all time highs with new estimates, which is you know again something something positive to look forward to in the future. Sure, sure. Um, and and uh, you know the the next slide that we took a look at had to do with international earning international equity earnings and valuations. Um, 
you know, it seems that most things, with the exception of Japan, are trading above their 25-year average, uh, but within their 25-year range. So uh, it seems just with the, with the downturn right now, valuations are high, but not without of the range that we've had in the last 25 years, which is good. I mean, there's no surprise that things are expensive, um, you know, relation to earnings, but that's because we've had earnings really crater here in the last couple of, last quarter. Right. Uh, as we and, went into the recession. And I think too, when you, you look at um, s- some of the, the global earnings and you can kind of, um, by this chart, you, there's, there's really four lines. It's the U.S., emerging markets, Japan, and then Europe. Um, you know, it's, it's not surprising to see that the U.S. is on top. And, you know, as this has been pretty much the case since the financial crisis that the U.S. earnings, the U.S. markets have continued to lead the way. Right. And, and, you know, I think it, it's important to see that things are out of whack right now, but it is not irreparably so, right? right. As, right. as we kind of get back to making things get back to normal. The last three items, the last, well, we covered a few more than that in the question and answer section, but the last three slides really kind of pull the lens back here. And the, the one that we're about to talk about is maybe my single favorite slide that we covered. It's my fa- one of my favorite um, pieces of the guide to the markets that they produce, which is the annual returns and intra-year declines of the S&P 500. And you can go back and you can look to see what was the biggest drop in the S&P in a calendar year and then where did things end up. And so this slide shows that in now this is through the end of May, so May 31st. Uh, so year to date through May 31st, the, our intra-year drop here in 2020 was 34%, uh, which is as bad as we've had in the last, with the exception of 2008, that's as bad as we've had in the last 40 years. Right. And but year to date through the end of last month, the S&P 500 is down only 6%. Right. So I think that's a great takeaway is that, as Brian mentioned, once in four years have we had a worse intraday, I'm sorry, in, uh, intra-year um, drawdown to the market, and we all know, you know, 2008. Granted, that that was down 49%. Um, you know, at its worst point during 2008. But but the key is is that it ended down 38% for the year. So again, we're in a much different boat this year, where the drawdown was large intra intra year, but where we are right now isn't isn't so bad. No, it's not bad at all. Just for some just for some con- comparisons, 2008 we were down as much as 49% intra year. We ended the year down thirty eight percent. Two thousand and nine, we were down twenty eight percent, or the the largest drop was twenty eight percent. We finished two thousand nine up twenty three percent on the year. The last time we had a thirty four percent drop um, was a part of the tech wreck, and we were down thirty four percent. They had a thirty four percent drop, and they finished the year down twenty three percent. So you compare this to some other past years, and it's really not so bad. And that's that's in large part to the amount of response that we've had from Congress and the Federal Reserve. but um, Well, the interesting still. thing, looking at this chart, and again, the numbers match up too. We were talking about 34% drops, and that seems to be a common <laughs> a common drop throughout the years as you look through this this uh, chart. Um, in 1987, we had that the, the Black Monday, um, you know, the, the crash. And so the market dropped 34% that year as well. But ended up two percent positive. So you know, very maybe very similar. Hopefully to this year, in the sense of how quick 
the market maybe went down, but then also bounced back because that right. was the case in 87. Um, hopefully we're going to continue moving upwards now where, you know, we had a, a, a brief period of being down for 34% in March, but um, spent very little time there versus, you know, again, some of these other time periods where we had the drops, we spent longer at the bottom than we have so far, you know, what we've seen um, this year in 2020. Right. Right. If you if you email us and ask us for one slide, ask us for this one, and I'll send well, it you, to you. You asked if I use these slides, and I think that everyone in this office, you know, if, if they use one slide in this in guide to the markets, it's going to be this particular slide. This is the one. Yeah, absolutely. So email us at info at fordfg.com, and I will personally send this to you um, if you want to take a look at what we're talking about. We wrapped up with a couple of slides. A lot of it has to do with asset class performance. Uh, and bear markets, which we are, which we are in, um, basically covering the amount of time needed to um, bounce back. You know, looking at a sixty forty portfolio, um, and the amount of time needed to kind of rebound. But usually, you know, you're rebounding within a year or two and and coming back from things. And it really is shown in the last slide um, that is the asset class returns, where you can see a diversified. A diversified portfolio really could save your bacon, even in bad years. Um, you can your average returns are much better, um, kind of across the board, than if you were kind of going to ride with one asset class that can stand at the top of things for a little while and then crater to the bottom of things. And so we kind of fish, finished with an asset class discussion. Um, and that's but representative. We, well, that's representative of most people's portfolios too. I know uh, as, as this is a podcast, you can't see the, the, see this um, particular slide, but you know, you know, the, it's representing in each year all the different assets that people could be owning in their portfolios. Um, and so, you know, ha, this gives a good representation to show somebody, hey, you know, in, in good years and, and bad years, the, the returns are all over the place. But you know, you a lot of times clients own a little bit a piece of different elements of, of these particular investments. Right. Right. Um, and, and this was, we finished up with the asset class discussion, but we also, well, we finished, uh, the presentation with an asset class discussion, but, uh, we, we had some time for Q and a, and one of the, I think good questions that was asked was relating to the election and where the JP Morgan experts saw the election going. And really they, they said for a president, who knows, um, you know, polling will change from day to day. And with the amount of news that's being made moment by moment, there's, it's anyone's guess who might win the election for president. Um, they did say that they expected that Congress would remain divided as it has been a majority of the time over our history. And that can kind of help keep things steady as checks on power exist between the parties. And, uh, and so a divided Congress is likely in their opinion. So I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, it's, it's, um, Hard to get in the prediction game of you know what what the market ha- is going to react depending on the combination that's going to happen or who's in, who's going to be taking taking office. Um, obviously, well, and it depends on what kind of craziness goes on in the next couple of months. Also, right, yeah. aliens could land in July, and then we're left with you know I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows what's so, you know the like always the economy doing well, and if it's going to be doing well 
I think that you know I'm going to say it, it matters less about who's in office if the economy is doing well. If the economy is doing bad, it also you know matters a little bit less of who's in office as well too. Just because you know you're you know whoever's taking whoever's in the office and when things are bad it has a, a really you know big problem on their hands. Um, and from a market standpoint, that's what the market's paying attention to is the it's ultimately going to be paying more attention to the economy than you know who's in office. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, I think that was a good summary. Um, in fact, our summary went <laughs> about as long as the webcast did. Uh, but if you missed this one, we will be doing some more. Um, it was it was actually a bigger hit than I thought it was going to be. And so naturally, uh, if people are interested in hearing from some of these uh, partners of ours and what their insight is, instead of just listening to us all the time, um, we'll be doing some more. And as these go on, we'll become a little bit more technically proficient as well. Um, so that way we can provide some replays and things like that. But I, I, I think it was a hit and, uh, I don't know, Ryan, I think we should do more. Yeah, this is, uh, it's been fun. Um, you know, I, I know I haven't been on the podcast for a little bit, um, as, but looking forward to doing more and getting out more information to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good. Well, we'll leave it there. We'll leave some time, uh, some, uh, some time for some disclosures and, uh, Ryan, we'll talk in the next one. All right. Sounds good. Bye. All right. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Ford Financial Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.